0: This is the non Microwave Truth, brought to you by Time of Grace, and I am C.L. Whiteside. I just wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you to the people that have written reviews, that have hit the five star, that have shared episodes with other people. I appreciate it immensely. The support is real and and is growing. And something that a couple of my friends, or a few of my friends have actually asked because... You don't necessarily have time to watch every single episode, but they've asked me, you know, what are your favorite episodes, CL? Because I want to check those out first. And I think about it. And I think three of my favorite episodes would be My Comfort is Greater Than Your Life. Because I feel like it was a very intriguing question in there that gets anyone. And I mean anyone thinking no matter what age they are. So if you haven't checked out the episode, check it out. My Comfort is Greater Than Your Life. The second one I would say is who's on your playlist. And that episode is really getting at the fact that we should have multiple spiritual leaders or multiple things, resources that we can go to to help our faith grow and for us to become closer to God. The third one was gifts from hell. And the reason being is we chase gifts so much that we don't even know where where the gift is coming from. Just check out the episode. And then I somebody asked me because I do this thing called First World Problems. If this is your first time joining us and I ask questions at the beginning that really don't have a have a clear cut answer to in most cases. Sometimes they do. But in most cases, it's more so an opinionated thing. And my favorite First World Problem question probably comes from arranged marriage. Now, I feel like there's a clear cut answer, but a lot of people didn't feel like there was a clear cut answer. And again, that episode was called arranged Marriage. But I just like the discussions that come along with it. And I really love when people use the Bible to support their reason for thinking the way that they think. Now, let's get into our first world problem question today. I was scrolling on Twitter and I saw this thing where this dude was preaching a sermon and all of a sudden in the middle of his sermon, people started fighting. I'm talking about like squaring up boxing. And the pastor is like, stop stop listen Marcus Marcus stop and I'm like they not gonna stop fighting my man you gonna have to go break this up but I'm not the only person who thinks like this when they see something crazy happen like that And like yeah the world is about to end I, I give the world maybe another 40 or 50 years before the Lord is coming back and I'm not gonna be mad when he comes back but the first world problem question today is when you see crazy things happening in the world Do you immediately start thinking like, yeah, Jesus is about to come back? And if so, how much time do you give him? Of course, none of us really know. None of us know. But do you start thinking like that? And this is our first word problem. It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is Bad Promises. Bad Promises. Now we still should have New Year's goals and New Year's resolutions that are still fresh. They're still fresh. And what I've noticed with a lot of New Year's goals or resolutions is, there are a lot of promises or vows that uh, accompany these goals. And that just got me thinking about how I hear some people make vows and promises. Like, man, I swear to God, if God takes this away from me, or he lets me get away with this, my lesson is learned and I promise to go to church every week or you can even end my playing career like I swear to God. And that's usually what we see when someone has done something bad or sinned and then they're trying to make up for it with something, something good. But then there's the opposite end of the spectrum where someone actually is asking for something good and they make a promise or a vow to, to do something bad. Like, have you ever heard someone make a promise to God? Like, if you allow me to achieve, achieve my dream, I'll kill someone. We would look at them pretty, pretty crazy. they like, you don't, you don't need to do that. And God doesn't need or want our help in a lot of these cases. And on this episode of bad promises, I want you constantly to be thinking throughout this episode, are the promises that you make to people or the promises that you make to God or the vows that you make? Are those God pleasing promises and vows? Like, are these good promises or bad promises? Because we, we all have made some good promises and we've all made some really bad promises. Oh, and how could I forget? Most of the crazy promises and vows that we make are to ourselves. So, yeah, definitely be thinking about that throughout this episode. Now, I want to look at the book of Judges. Judges is a fascinating, awesome book because it usually goes something like this. The Israelites did evil. God sends a judge to rescue the Israelites. We're going to look at Judges chapter 10. And it says that God sold them into the hands of the Philistines and the Ammonites. Who that year shattered and crushed him. For 18 years they oppressed all the Israelites on the east side of the Jordan in Gilead, the land of the Amorites. The Ammonites also crossed the Jordan to fight against Judah, Benjamin, and Ephraim. Israel was in great distress. The first thing I want to point out is that God can only get our attention for some of us through rock bottom moments. And I feel like I need to have a whole episode about that, but but that's not today. So let's let's keep it moving. And I want to point out, too, that the Israelites, they cry out to God. And when they cry out to God, God is like, go ask those other gods to save you. They were worshiping so many different and foreign gods. And a lot of us are like, well, I can't relate. But I know we worship our cell phones. We worship that man or that, that woman. We worship that job. And we are exactly in that same boat. And until we hit rock bottom or have something bad happen in our life, we don't even realize that we had created or have a whole nother idol, a whole nother false God that's not there. Now, what the Israelites do do that you can learn from, though, is they admit they're wrong. They get rid of the gods. And it says that God could bear Israel's misery no longer. Now, the leaders, they got together and they started thinking who could take over, like whoever will take the lead in attacking the Ammonites will be head over all who live in Gilead. And a man by the name of Jephthah, his name comes up. He he was like a goon. He was a mighty warrior described by the Bible. And a little background about him. His dad was Gilead, and his mom was a prostitute. And the reason I brought up that background knowledge is because the sins of his father caused him to get driven out of town. And there was a bad promise that his, his brothers made. His brothers were like, you know what? Dad might have been creeping around, but I can guarantee you this. You are not going to get any inheritance in our family because you are the son of another woman. So if I'm in Jephthah's shoes, I would have a chip on my shoulder. I would want to prove my worth. I would be second guessing God. And something that, that's huge, though, is that even if those who are supposed to love you reject you, it doesn't stop God from loving you and giving you purpose. But Jephthah, he did flee from his brothers and he settled in a different land. And it says it was where a gang of scoundrels gathered around him and they followed him. But since the Ammonites, they were putting hands on the Israelites, they were at war. The elders of Gilead, they went to Jephthah and they said, come, be our commander so we can fight the Ammonites. Now, all that mess, his brothers were talking. And now look, look at the promise that his brothers made, a bad promise that you will never get our inheritance. Pretty much you will never be anything to this family. And now the elders of that community are coming to him and saying, hey, can you help me? Can you help us? And Jephthah, you better believe he remembered that bad promise. He said to them, didn't you hate me and drive me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? How many of us will be petty And just think to ourselves, I'm not helping you. Nope, you're going to have to beg. You're going to have to get down on your knees and beg me. I'm not coming otherwise. And even then, I still might not come. And the elders, they really don't give that good of a response, but they pretty much are like, hey, nevertheless, we are turning to you now. Come with us to fight the Ammonites and you will be head over all of us who live in Gilead. Now, it's a couple of things that I want to point out. The first one being, be careful how you treat people because you'll never know when you'll need them. The second point is if you've ever made a bad promise or if you ever let someone down, if you ever betrayed someone and they're leery of you, especially if you only are coming to them on a, a need basis, you need to accept and you have to actually own that. The third point is don't have too much pride to ask for help, though. I know some people will be like, we don't have good. We don't get along. We got bad blood. I'm not asking them for help. I'll just ask somebody else or I'll figure it out myself. But they might be the only person that can help you. And God might have designated that so that you could actually repair and mend that relationship. Have you ever thought about that? Because sometimes that is the only way to grow. Yes, it is. Yes, indeed. Now, Jephthah is like, for real? If I win, I rule? He doesn't trust it. And he asks, will I really be the head of Gilead? And it's super hard to trust people who have betrayed you. And I think I'm the same way. But... The thing that we have to realize, and I know this is hard too, is it's hard for us to believe that since God closed one door, that he can open another one. But he always does. If one door closes in our life, you better believe that God is going to open up a different door, another door. And we usually we usually just get so focused on the closed door that we don't notice anything else. We don't notice another door being opened up to the right or to the left or behind us because we're focused on that that closed door. We got to get over it. Move on. Better believe God is going to open another door for you. So it's just about shifting our focus to what's at hand. And it goes on to say that the elders of Gilead replied, the Lord is our witness. Here goes a promise. The Lord is our witness. We will certainly do as you say. So Jephthah went from the elders of Gilead and the people made him head and commander over them. This was another promise. I wouldn't deem this as a bad promise either. But it goes on to say in Judges 11, this is like 11 Chapter 11, verses uh, 12 to 28, they kind of go back and forth. This is Jephthah, who's the new leader, and this is the Ammonite king. So they go back and forth, and and Jephthah is like, why do you want this land? And then the Ammonite king is like, you took the land when y'all came out of Egypt. Jephthah's like, actually, we got the land from the Amorites. Because remember, the Amorites beat y'all in war. We tried to be cool with them, but they wanted the smoke. So we beat them and took the land from them, not from you. And by the way, remember, you you know, our God, Yah, the God of the Israelites, he got rid of the Amorites. You really don't want this smoke. You don't have a valid point, my man. And Jephthah also reminds him, he's like, oh, by the way, the God you believe in, why hasn't he done anything in the 300 years of Israel living here? Don't be mad that our God our God gave this to us. I have not wronged you, but you are doing me wrong by waging war against me. Let the Lord, the judge, decide the dispute this day between the Israelites and the Ammonites. But the Ammonite king, he wasn't trying to hear it. And I'm going to read this next part to you. It says, then the spirit of the Lord came on Jephthah. He crossed some land, and from there he led an army against the Ammonites. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. He made a vow. This is, this is a promise. If you give the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Now, when you hear that promise, do you think that's a good promise or is that a bad promise? Now, you can you can see the faith of Jephthah, but it's almost like it got too good to be true. And he felt like he needed to help God out. Like, why make a vow like this? And it's like, is he trying to manipulate or is he trying to control God? Is he trying to add ammunition to God who's already said he's going to do this? I can't lie. I've done that before. And if you heard at the beginning of the the thing I read, it says that he had the spirit of God. And something that I have to point out about the spirit of God being on a person, a spirit of God does not control or make you a robot. It still gives you choices. The spirit of God is an awesome guide though. You can definitely hear the voice. You can definitely feel what you should do, but you still have the choice to do what you want to do. It goes on to say that Jephthah went over to fight the Ammonites and the Lord gave them into his hands. He devastated 20 towns. Now remember that vow, remember that promise that he made. It says, when Jephthah returned to his home in Mizpah, what or who do you think was the first thing or person to come out of the door? What's your guess? And if it was your home, what would be the first thing to come out? Or who would be the first person to come out? Would it be your dog? Would it be your son, your daughter, your spouse, your grandma, your auntie? Who would be the first person or what would be the first person thing to come out of the house? Well, with Jetha. The first thing that came out of the house was his daughter, his daughter dancing. She was an only child. In fact, his only child. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and cried, oh, no, my daughter, you have brought me down and I am devastated. I have made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break. Her response is very interesting to me, though. She says, my father, you have given your word to the Lord. Do to me just as you promised. Now that the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the Ammonites. But grant me this one request. Give me two months to roam the hills and weep with my friends because I will never, ever marry. Jephthah tells her you may go. And he let her go for two months. She and her friends went into the hills and wept because she would never marry. After the two months, she returned to her father and he did to her as he had vowed. And she was a virgin. OK, now there are some microwave facts of the matter that just that have to be addressed and just popped out to me. And I think it's the same for us today as it was back then. And when you look at Jephthah, Jephthah was a person fueled by a bad promise, fueled by a bad promise of you will never get the inheritance. You will never be anything. You got to leave. We, we don't want you. And this isn't just a Jephthah problem. This is a human problem. We let bad promises to us lure us into making bad promises to other. That's the first thing. That's the first microwave fact that we have to address. Bad promises to us shouldn't make us want to do bad promises to others, but it usually does. So you got to be aware of that. You got to be conscious of that. That's something we have to eliminate and just be aware of. And the second thing is we have to be careful that the vows or promises aren't rooted in trying to manipulate or to control God. Like we should never, ever, ever use sin in our vow to God or to anyone. And it's better to break a promise that was wrong than to keep one that is bad. And in today's world, it would be stuff like I promised my friend I would look out for them when they were doing wrong. I promised to get even or make that person's life hell who talked about me like that. I promised my boo I would make it worthwhile if they picked me up, if you know what I mean. And this boo is not your spouse, because if it is, then you better make it worthwhile. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Well, not really. But anyways, third point that I wanted to make is beware of bad promises. You got to beware of bad promises. But the key is you have to know what God's promises are. You have to know what his word tells you and is saying to you. You have to know all of the different things that he has promised to us. And when God has promised something to us, we don't have to help him out. His promise is is, is good. It's golden. You don't have to add to it. You want to be compelled by his love to do more or to be guided. You don't want to be compelled by fear. And Jephthah was compelled, it appears, by fear. And that's why he added that stipulation to his, his vow or to his promise. That was a motivation of fear, not a motivation of love. It's like he was trying to match God's greatness, and we can't match it. We can't. We cannot match God's grace, love, and mercy. But what we can do is we can be compelled to love and to serve others. And it's not about matching. It's about loving. The microwave truth tells you that you can match God's love, but you can't. And especially leaders or people in positions for God. There are cases where we don't need to help God out or try to make sacrifices for God that he isn't asking us to make. We are vessels for God's we are not God's trying to create vessels. The non microwave truth is you don't need to and you shouldn't add assurance to any of God's promises. But especially his promise that he loved this world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Know what Christ has done trust what he has done trust his promises know his promises examine all his promises. Our society microwaves and produces bad promises all the time. We have a God of good promises who doesn't need us to microwave anything from Him. He just needs us to know, love, and trust the promises He gives us through His Word, through His love, and through His relationship with us. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Bad Promises. Be careful of the promises that you make beware of the promises that are given to you and know and learn the promises of our lord and savior jesus christ peace punch captain crunch to know the drugs and yes to jesus i am out